0: Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to hundred dollars. Just visit PrizePicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at PrizePicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Red Inca, which is part of the 99.94 Network. I'm Jared Kimber. This podcast has adverts, but if you prefer your podcast without, in the show notes you'll see the link to my Patreon page and you can listen to our chats uninterrupted. Patreon also comes with many other benefits as well, including a Discord channel and private chats with me. But now, the show. This episode of Red Inca, we do something we have never done before. We talk to a player we have already done an entire episode on,
2: Liam Plunkett. I work Major League Cricket and i the National Development Coach.
1: We talk about his incredibly long career, the US, Major League Cricket, cross-scene balls, England success, test cricket, winning World Cups, and how he now sometimes throws balls to four-year-olds. So my first question to you would be, uh, obviously, World Cup winner, England player, known all around the world. But if I'd have said to you 10 years ago, what do you know about US cricket? I'm assuming you wouldn't have known much.
2: No, you're right. I spoke to you off camera. I apologize. I'm a bit, uh, I think I've caught some bug or something. So <laughs> I've got a Northern accent, so it's it's hard to understand. So I've got an excuse this time. Uh, so sorry, going back to your, your question. Yeah, 10 years ago, I was obviously going to the States regular uh, to see my wife in between playing for whichever county I was at and in England. But yeah, I mean, I've seen some guys playing in tennis courts and uh, in in the streets maybe once a year, if that. But yeah, I, I didn't see much cricket at all. I knew that cricket existed, really, apart from the USA team, which obviously popped up on your radar now and then if they're involved in some cricket matches that might just pop up on Twitter or something.
1: I think it was before the Sri Lanka tour. Was it 2018, 2019, around there somewhere that you yeah. were preparing for a tour while you were still back in in Philadelphia? You knew so little about cricket at that stage. It sounded like you were just in non-cricket environment warming up. So it, it, even of fairly recent times, it wasn't like there was a professional environment around there.
2: Yeah, you're right. To be honest, I remember I was getting married, uh, so I missed a little bit of the uh, Sri Lankan series for my my wedding. Uh, so I had like maybe six to seven weeks in Philadelphia. And then I was just thinking about going to a, a major league baseball facility. It's like a practice venue. A bit like a baseball academy, and it was great. I could get a full runner pin, and I would use one of them uh, plastic sort of mannequins to ball at uh, to sort of resemble a batsman. It was good. I got my full runner pin, but there was obviously no one batting, so it didn't sort of resemble fully. But then someone reached out to me to tell me there was an indoor cricket facility about 40 miles away from where I'm living. And I used that maybe once or twice, but the runner wasn't that long. And funny, like long story start, that's actually where the academy is where I'm working now. So yeah, a blink of an eye, that's where the youngsters are coming out of there, the Philadelphia Major League Academy. But yeah, you're right, 2018, it was pretty much just me turned up to a baseball facility and doing the best that I could, uh, obviously leading up to a, a one-day series. I think if I was a batsman mainly, I think I would have struggled and I wouldn't have been able to do that. Like I wouldn't because I wouldn't be able to get the volume. But as the bowler, I know I could go in and hit baseballs with a cricket bat. I had a guy who used to feed to me. I used to pay someone in an hour to come and throw. And obviously I did practice my range hitting and then bowling as well. I would just set my target. So I felt like I was in some rhythm. But if I was like a Jason Roy, then I think you'd struggle to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean It's remarkable. When does US cricket get in touch? Uh, or oh, sorry, Major League cricket, I should say, get in touch?
2: It's towards the back end of my time with Surrey. I obviously wanted to fulfill my contract with Surrey. I didn't play too much that year. So like I, I didn't know what was sort of going on. And then sort of Major League came to me. And I think Surrey also, are at terms, will where you are in your career. There's so it's not really like where am I going? It wasn't like I was at a point where I was still wanting to play for England. And it just sort of, that came about, that start of that last year of Surrey. So you're looking at not last year, the year before, which is 2020. Sort of the COVID year. Uh, and obviously that got me excited. So... Because I know it's very hard for a lot of cricketers that transition period where you finish with a county, and, and even speaking to guys now on the Legends trip in India, some people are in difficult situations. And I was very fortunate that this came around. Someone reached out to me from uh, Samir, uh, Meta and uh, Josh. Dash couple of you, I think you've spoken to them before on, on, on the show. Reach out to me with an opportunity, and it's, it's very exciting. To be able to live in a house that I bought 10 years ago in Westchester, which is just outside of Philadelphia, with my wife, I mean, I wouldn't have dreamt it. So, yeah, to get this opportunity, it was, it was crazy. And then, obviously, just took time through that year to talk through contracts. And, obviously, I, I didn't know, like, where I was at I was Surrey. It was my last year, but it was just that transitional period. But, yeah, it was definitely exciting. So, I was obviously injured with Surrey the last year, but I was also knew what was coming up. So, I wasn't too – I was disappointed, but also I was like—I was excited to to move on.
1: Anything to get away from Gareth Batty, I understand. Um, So you played in a few leagues, but because you're a major player, you probably haven't had some of the, you know, random sort of smaller leagues come up to you before. Was there a worry when you first heard about it that it was, you know, a a bit like maybe the global T20 league that we had in Canada or that European league that never even (laughs) pulled a ball? You know, because... Yeah, it, it's great for you as you said you, you're transitioning and there's an opportunity but you also don't want to be in a situation where you're the face of something that's a bit mickey mouse pardon the pun on this yeah. i right.
2: yeah. you know, i like it good pun mate i like it <laughs> i, I guess you know i just sort of went into it i was just like this is a chance for me to be in the states uh to be involved in cricket let's just back it the guys that were uh invested the money who own major league come from obviously amazing story themselves and Uh, obviously there were real business guys who put a lot of money into it and and what they pitched to me and what they spoke to me about was very exciting and I, I guess sometimes a bit like everything I just jump on board Sometimes I don't think about it too much, which obviously my wife hates and certain things you go about <laughs> go about. But uh yeah, I was just very excited. And when obviously the contracts came through and I read them and I was excited about going to America to live with my wife and to be involved in cricket. It was just I, I didn't think of it. Honestly, that's probably the first time I spoke about it. like the first time you've just mentioned it right now is probably the first time I've even thought about it being like that. Mm.
1: oh well that's awesome where do you think it can go uh, you know that we had their minor league recently getting to the point where the draft is coming soon i know that part of your job is also scouting and you'll probably eventually be linked to a team and you're looking for coaching jobs and everything but you now have a good idea of where minor league cricket is and you've probably seen a bit of the usa cricket what sort of a level do you think this league is going to be we, we know there's going to be quite a few overseas players but there's also going to be a lot of locals
2: yeah yeah i guess Obviously, the overseas make obviously competition huge if you've got the biggest names in, in the world playing. So that's going to take care of itself. If you've got four or five players playing against each other, it's going to be high-quality competition. The guys that come across, we, we talk about local guys. There's guys that were born in America, but a lot of the majority of the guys have played a lot of first-class cricket. And uh, they've moved to the States for a situation where they might not be getting a chance. They might have went through a dip in form and have seen an opportunity to go across to the States and be involved in something brand new. And that's, I guess, myself as my job title, along with Rusty Taron. Similarly, he's mainly doing the West Coast, now I'm doing the East Coast. And the part of our job is to navigate why people are here and what makes them tick. Some of them might not make it. They get a three-year contract. And just because they've signed that, it doesn't mean they're going to be here for the long haul. Cricket is a business at the end of the day, and you want the best product and the best thing out there playing. Uh, so let's see, see how that goes. I think the product would be amazing because you've got the overseas players. The guys that are with us now have potential. They just need that professional environment. And that's another part of my role is how can we make these guys feel like they're playing in professional cricket setup? And that's a difficult thing to navigate because of the facilities in the States. I know we're building them. Obviously the facility in Dallas, you've got Morrisville, which is an amazing little uh, ground there. And it, this thing, stadium's getting popped up. But also like what can we do right now? Because that's not here. There's no high performance centers. There's indoor facilities getting popped up. There's one in uh, Columbia, Maryland, which is just open, which is beautiful. That's obviously full run run-up lanes and the feeding machines and stuff. So that's something we can use in the East Coast. But I think the product will be great. It's not going to be IPL next year, but hopefully in three or four years, it's something like that. You'll see something exciting next year, but it is going to drip feed in year by year. It's going to get bigger and better. So hopefully people back us and they can see where we're going.
0: Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends nine nineteen. 19 No refund. Subscription auto renews.
1: Let's go to your career because I was looking this up and you're the first person I've ever had on this podcast who has also been a subject of a podcast. You know, I got Rory Dollard, professional northerner to come on uh, because obviously he's on your side and your career I followed really closely. But being able to talk to you about it, I think it's really interesting. You played at the 2007 World Cup and the 2019 yeah. World Cup. And as far as international cricket goes as far as white ball cricket goes they are completely different 2007 everything you were thinking about one day cricket by 2019 how much of that has changed
2: yeah to be honest with you i mean 2007 i never ever thought in my mind i was going to get swept first ball for six whereas 2019 that's a possibility right (laughs) the game changes so quick and even now if you miss a couple of years of cricket things have changed you've got youngsters coming through who are 360 players The balls are developing new slow balls and obviously the fielding people are fitter and stronger. So year by year, it changes. But yeah, I think in terms of just the tactics, the way the game moves is faster. Guys are stronger. I think as a whole, as the whole squads are stronger. I know back in the day you have strong players and stuff, but as a package, the teams are more professional and it's more like a not like to a degree, but it's run like a soccer team kind of thing. This is like you watch the England guys now or the Indian guys and they come like an outfit and the fit and it's like Everything's like that. So it didn't used to be like that. But yeah, everything's changed. What's put into it, the prep, the recovery, all the information that gets fed to the players, what's available to the players. In terms of like the podcasts and stuff, what was available then, guys can go and watch YouTube clips and listen to podcasts on different players and everything's there, right? Push of a button, there's so much information on the different players which is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, it is. It's night and day. Honestly, it is. Because you had this long career at that top level, do you notice all the little
1: changes? Like, you know, you're bowling Yorkers in 2007, realistically. Maybe at that stage you've moved to wide Yorkers, and and that's probably the era where MS Doney's starting to lift the odd Yorker. Yeah. But Dilshan comes after that, right? And yeah. then you've got Davilias and Josh Butler, and everyone's flipping the ball over their head. Do you notice those things drip by drip? Or are they like, is it something like, okay, well, that ball – that I've been relying on for the last three years, I'm just going to shelve that in, in this part of the game because it doesn't work anymore.
2: I feel like it goes in cycles. Honestly, I think it, it does. I mean, you get to a point where everyone was won well Yorkers and now everyone can, majority of good players can get down and flick it over the keeper's head. So then it's like, well, you go back to kind of length and people are not used to hitting length at the death. And it, so it's, it's kind of different. A bit like, obviously, I'm not a good batter or nothing, but like I know back in the day, I used to get a lot of Yorkers and stuff and miss and you can cow it. And then it, I went from, away from that because of what's available for ballers to look at. They're like, well, you can't hit that strong on the offside. Do you know what I mean? And then he, so they just figure you out. And then you just get hard length and someone's more 90 clicks. Because if you miss a Yorker, there's more chance of a guy, a tail end or a guy number eight or nine, to clear the ropes. Where if you're balling his hip, the long field, it's different. Yeah. So that's with the tactics, but I didn't really shelve it. It's still the same. Every bat is different. I think you just have to adapt a little bit. and You're braver with your fields, I guess. Like Back in the day, if you said, I want a guy here, here, here. Your captain would be like, what are you talking about? That's stupid. But now it's like, well, yeah, you put him behind the keeper or actually you don't need a, a square leg. You can move the square leg or fine leg. and Do you know what I mean? It, it's more like anything kind of goes. The captain sort of backs you. Well, the captains that I've worked with and the coaches that I've worked with in the last five, six years have always backed me. So I've not really shelved anything. I just think you're, you're smarter with your fields and when to ball and what to ball. What about the cross seam delivery?
1: So, I mean, that's a delivery that's kind of always existed in cricket, right? It's it's not as if it, it's a bit like the slower ball. We talk about the slower balls in one day cricket, but people 150 years ago had just slower balls and faster balls, right? So that hasn't changed. But the cross seam delivery, which ends up being almost a ball that you're defined by by t- 2019, how much are you bowling that in 2007? And how much you you bowling that in 2019? Because by the end, it looked like you were essentially slamming the ball into the pitch, having yeah. your three or your four catches on the leg side and saying, look, eventually you're going to miss hit one of these.
2: Yeah, I mean, early on, maybe now and then, but I didn't really think about it. When I look back, I was always trying to hit the seam. As a kid, you get told, hit the seam, hit the seam, hit the seam, slow ball Yorker, hit the seam. And I think it's when I came, I went through a dip in form and I still had some good, good years and stuff, but it's whenever it got – so I've left Durham and joined Yorkshire. Uh, I went away and I spent six months in America and I got as f- fit as I've ever been. And when I came back, I think Dizzy was just like, listen, we're back here to bowl fast. And instead of sometimes running up early in a red ball spell and ball seam up, I sometimes float it. So I just go cross-seam round the wicket and it came out quick and I backed myself. And I started blowing rockets that year. And I sort of came from there, from bowling round the wicket quick. I noticed obviously hitting the seam or from a crossing delivery or hitting the shiny side, you get the different reactions. And I was just like, it started to work for me. I didn't think about too much swing or trying to hit the same. I just thought, this is the length I'm going to ball. I'm going to ball it hard. Morgs must have like needed that in his team at that point. He's like, Liam's balling quick in the middle. We can use him to ball fast and rough batters up or just have a little bit different. And that's what I went with. It just, after the first few overs, the guys like Walksy and, and Woody or Dave Willie went swinging, in. that just goes away. There's not really too much seam movement when you're playing on good pitches. If you hit a cross seam or shiny side, there's a tiny bit of uh, variation with the hard length. And in the middle, it's quite hard if you've got your field set in the right positions. If someone hits you back over your head, mid-on, mid-off-up, then mm. fair play off a good ball. I generally know if I ball a bad ball full, I'm going to get held over the top. If I to ball it wide, I'm going to get uh, through the covers. So it's generally if I've had a bad day, it's someone's batted out of the skin on ball crap. So it was trying not to complicate it too much. But then I would try and still have my my variations with my cross seam. I'd have the cross seam where I'd hold it and tip of my fingers. Then I'd be my first ball, second ball, third ball. There's three different variations, so it might come out two miles an hour slower, one miles an hour slower. Because with a good batsman, I didn't have my arm speed for my slow ball, like a back of the hand or knuckle. I didn't, really, I couldn't exaggerate too well, like a Bravo or, or these guys where it's quick hand speed and the ball comes out slow. Mine was like the tiny little bit of uh, little bit of change. Can I get someone commit to a drive when it's not quite there, or someone to go and to pull and it skids on quicker than it actually looks like? So that's what I was looking to do. I was trying to bowl maybe sometimes six balls, maybe four balls cross seam, and you bowl a quick bouncer and one maybe seam up, and, and all from a similar area. And I said tiny little mistakes. That's all I was looking for. There's so much to unpack from that. So the first thing
1: is, are you one of those tall bowlers who? Because when you bowl full, it, it floats a little bit more. Is that something that is sort of natural with the way you bowl?
2: I think, but also like bowling full, it's different when the ball's swinging, you're looking to nick someone off and you say, Well, I'm going to go a little bit fuller to get a wicket. I'm, I'm going to risk getting hit for a four here. I think after the first change, a little bit, if you're full, good batsman's going to hit you in international cricket. It's not like I'm trying to swing it and it's full like a red ball. The white ball, i I'm going to go. If I go full, it's going to get hit on my head because a good player is on a good pitch. Unless it's an average wicket, it might nip around. But generally, at my point, the guys were your best batsmen in the world. If I bowl full, i would probably try a to ball too quick and not hit my length and pushed it forward. So it was always just be back of a length. So I was very, very fortunate in that period. Well, all my all my career. I would run up in my prime and bullet at 90 miles an hour, and I'd do the same thing in a natural variation. It'd come out at 82, and I wish I meant to do that, but I didn't. So it was uh, – I can't obviously uh, explain that. That was just sometimes when it clicked in a run-up or you might have pulled through your, with your left arm a little bit and got a little bit taller, sometimes a natural variation, which is why I picked some wickets up in the middle. The other thing that's interesting, when
1: do you oh, – I'm assuming you realize at a certain point people start copying that method you know, the yeah. West Indies went into the 2019 World Cup doing that. Uh, Lockie Ferguson is probably another guy that we saw doing that. I think Nokia, when he first came into white ball cricket before, you know, changed to pitching it up and using the wobble seam and everything else. Like even Pat Cummins was trying it for a little while with Australia. For someone who's had this long career, is it interesting to start a trend that you just didn't, like, I'm, I'm not saying it happened by accident because clearly yeah. you thought your way through it and Dizzy was involved in it and, and you got success from it. But at a certain point, it's, it must be interesting to look around and go, wait a minute, I started something here.
2: I kind of, I didn't really pay attention to it because I think that's what just good balls might have done. If it's not working out, if I'm not hitting the same, Pat Cummins is one of the best balls in the world. He's probably, okay, this is working out and he might just did it and we might not paid enough attention to it previously. Or... It might just bowl a game where the pitch is tacky and this cross crossing might have fit in a little bit more. But I mean, if people have looked at my bowling leading up to that World Cup and then it's actually working for Liam let's try it, and then obviously over the moon. People think it's I'm doing a good job. I think it's
1: undeniable to say that before you, basically, if a fast bowler was bowling in the middle, they were not a fast bowler. They're probably a part timer, or yeah. it was someone like Hassan Ali, or was a Macaron coming in to bowl reverse swing. So it's yeah. a different type of player. We see Umrah Malik doing it now. You know, Woody's trying to replace you in the england side doing that sort of stuff as well i, I just find i it's really interesting out of, of how late it came in your career we talked about you being in the 2007 world cup your actual one day career is that crazy because you play from 2005 which is you know a different world away now to 2007 then you yeah. play like a game in 2010 a game in 2011 and then 2015 you come back involved how much of that is you're taking wickets in the middle for yorkshire or is it you know something that owen morgan has obviously played with you before um, or you know good fit or, you know why do you think you were brought back into the team at that stage
2: i'm not sure because i just played uh, i came back into the test team before that and it went really well that's when cookie brought me back in mm-hmm. lord's Test ball 97 miles an hour and i was, I was in my prime i was bowling rockets for a couple of summers and I think that Morgan was just thinking, uh, listen, we need to have someone in the middle. We need to do something different, whether he's seen somewhere, something elsewhere. I know he worked well with uh, Basma McCullum, so he might have seen something. I think we need this pace in the middle. We can't just have some guy bowling medium pace so we have just a regular off spin to fill in overs. Our best ball is going to be at the top and the bottom. Let's have a partnership in the middle, which happened to be me and uh, Adol Rashid for a lot of them overs, because I think we probably bowled 20 of them middle overs. And I think it just worked well. He probably seen me running, balling quick. Thought we need this in the middle. I remember speaking to him in, in Dubai. Actually, it was after a Test series. And I was in the One Day series and the T Twenty series. I didn't play any of the One Days. I'm like, well, what's going on here? And I was like, am I just actually rack white ball cricket off? Am I just, yeah, I'm not interested? And he said I wouldn't do that too soon. And I played in the next three T Twenties. I bought quick. I was going, what one fifties, and then it sort of went from there. Really. Yeah, that's it. I played three T Twenties. Went really well. And then I didn't get picked for like a South Africa tour. And then I went, that's when I went away and I spoke to Trevor and I said, what's going on? He just said, you haven't got enough variations. And I think that's when I thought about the cross seam, the wobble seam and that kind of thing. Okay. So that was what, 2015,
1: 16, would that have been?
2: Yeah, 2016, I think. Don't quote me on that, around yeah. that time. Because I thought I went really well, ball rapid and picked up wickets. And then I just didn't get picked for the next trip. And I went away and went to Yorkshire. We went well. So I've worked on my wobble seam a little bit to add to that. And obviously with the cross seam, that brought up my off-cutter different because obviously you hold the ball different. You could get the the spin on it. So I just went away and worked on, as I said earlier, just tiny little changes because my uh, arm speed's not quick, just little guys that uh, people don't pick up. That's really interesting to begin with because I think it's
1: easy to see, you know, Harry Gurney or Benny Howell, these sorts of guys who have big, dramatic slow balls. But realistically, the amount of times you go, like, you got guys caught a deep mid-wicket and, and, and long on. Obviously, you're changing the pace and people are just losing their shape a little bit. So I find that interesting. I just want to go back to your test career. So 2014, that you were talking about before. So I was at that series against Sri Lanka. You bowled incredibly fast at Lords, And then I think you took, what, eight or nine wickets in the next test against Sri Lanka? Yeah,
2: yeah. took nine for it uh, at Hedley. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so... At that stage, I might have even written an article about it going, this might be the bowler that England needs because he can bowl overseas and and everything else. That's kind of it. It's kind of like they used you in, in, that, in that little bit and then they never really came back to you. And then the interesting thing is, up until the basketball um, uh, revolution of recent types, they've been trying to find a Liam Plunkett-like bowler in test cricket ever since how much of it is you lost form you had injuries you know just wrong place wrong time and how much is do you think they just gave up on you when they shouldn't have
2: I don't know because I think maybe a few of the guys were struggling with injuries mm. and stuff but I mean after that Sri Lankan series I came back and I played against India and I bowled nicely I think my last test but I got Pajara and then Corley back to back yep. I got three a two for a 50 odd I had a great game. And then I got like a little stress fracture in my foot, which put me out for the rest of that series. Chris Walks came in, Chris John came in. And then, to be honest, I never got a look back in. And I'm not sure why that was. But at the same time, I came back and I was playing so much white ball cricket and that was going well. I was like, I want to be back in the squad. Okay, well, what's going on? And then my white ball just went like that. And my red ball, I didn't really play much. I think after that point, I don't think I played much red ball. That's maybe... Four years of my career, back in England, I didn't really play much first class because it was just all white ball. You're playing that much white ball cricket, and then obviously the counties, you were going back after playing a white ball series. And automatically, you're not going to fit into red ball cricket. It's completely different. I struggle to go from white to red. Sometimes you can lose your action in white ball because you're trying to aim the ball into the stumps, into top, into middle. Everyone wants width in white ball cricket. But in red ball cricket, it's more like you're consistent and i will fall away and it wasn't as consistent as I'd like. So I think, yeah, so it was back and forth. But yeah, the white ball just went this way, and red ball test cricket just sort of faded away. It was disappointing, but also I was happy because we're going to T20 World Cup. We went in series after series at home and away. So I was sort of happy, but yeah, I didn't really think about it too much.
1: You talked about the technical things there. Yeah. When you specialize in white ball cricket is when you probably have the best international part of your career right now obviously a lot of things have changed england have started being more professional owen morgan is probably trusting you with fields you know your game because you're a proper pro at that point but how much of it is that it's really hard to maintain being good at red ball and white ball at the same time unless you're someone who has a freakish action or you know a particular kind of batting style that sort of goes to both everyone else is making shifts right and if you're spending all your time on white ball you're just not developing in red ball the same way
2: it is difficult, I think, because, yeah, you go from playing T10, T20, then you come back and playing test cricket, and you've just been trying to hit it 360 out of the ground. It's not that easy to go into your shell. And that's why, as you said, with basketball, it sort of helps that. And maybe that's the way they're doing it, because they realise there's so many players are playing franchise cricket or white ball cricket. Why not use that in test cricket? Do you know what I mean? Because the guys are getting so good at it. It makes the great test cricket, well, great to watch. It's not traditional. But why stop guys scoring when that's what they're doing day in, day out in nets and in franchise cricket? But it's not easy. I mean, as a bowler, as you said, I can imagine Jimmy can still come and play white ball and open the ball and, and nick people off. And it'd be interesting to see where his Yorker skills are and his back of the hand. Or Do you know what I mean? It'd be completely different. He's so good at red ball cricket. Still the best, what, is he the highest wicket-taker for England, white or the eyes as well, I think
1: he is. He was for a while. Was I mean, if you think about it, you watch that last World Cup, we're now seeing guys like Mark Adair, Boovy, Ashti Singh swing it both ways. So yeah. it went away from swing bowling because everyone was bowling the wobble ball. Actually, what Jimmy does now, the, there aren't that many people in the world who can control swinging the ball in both directions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So someone like him could probably move back to it easier than perhaps someone else could.
2: Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's he's went away and they've probably spoke about it and I think he probably struggled with it for a while I've obviously not spoke to him about this but he's probably just come to terms with it like red balls the way I'm playing I'm so successful I'm the best in the world it, and he's just obviously worked out his trade day in day out to see where he is now is is crazy but it's so difficult I mean as you said unless you've got a crazy action or you're a uh, unbelievable spinner with uh, different skills, like you're Googling your top spinner and all these good balls. But even if you speak to Adol Rashid, he's probably fa- he found it hard, right? He yeah. found it really hard to go from white ball then and come back to red ball, especially early on. If you bowl the red ball, a few slack balls, and there's no one scouting the boundaries, then obviously you start going for five, six, and over. And in, in, in four day cricket, it's a bit different when you've got your scouts out and you're so set in your field, you know how to bowl. It's not easy. And that's why, obviously, the guys who go around playing franchise cricket not many of them are playing test cricket, I guess.
1: For you personally, you obviously, you you won the World Cup. You weren't particularly happy with the sort of the treatment that you probably got just after, you know, you won that World Cup. It's a couple of years on from that now. You know, we've got the basketball revolution going on in test cricket and we've got everything that was involved with white ball, which you were massively involved with. It's a very exciting time to be an England cricketer. You were part of that, you know, initial surge. When you watch them win a World Cup, Obviously, as a fan and as an English person, you're happy. But do you feel like, you know, you played a part in this new style of English cricket as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that we started after the 2015 World Cup, was it? When they got beat in Australia. And then uh, they went, obviously changed it. And it was all positive. And the guys got back to each other. And it was exciting to watch. And the public were expecting England to win. At that point, when we got into that groove and when we were beating people home and away. Yeah, I felt a part of it. But there was many people in that build-up. As I said, me being part of that was one of the best times of my life. Bowling first for England and doing a good job and then putting my flip-flops on and watching on the balcony, watching the guys go out and smoke it is one of the best times of my life, right? It was front seat to the best cricketers in the world doing amazing things. But yeah, I'm very proud of that team and I'm very proud to be a part of it, 100%. And
1: obviously your major playing. Are you you actually retired? I didn't see any minor league stats. Should I be looking up how you're going in the minor leagues, getting a couple through?
2: You can look, but I mean, it's uh, go for it. I'll send you the picture of our run up as well. Then you can judge me from my uh, <laughs> BMX track on the run up on the way to the AstroTurf. So you might change it. <laughs> you might change your opinion. But that's a part and parcel of it. I think that the cricket in in, in the states it, it it's fun. I mean, it's you got you got to leave your ego at the door, right? It's it's something that's getting built. So many talented people coming across and playing. The facilities are getting better day by day by day. And I think you might have read also the article that got released uh, about the hybrid pitches getting put in. Uh, Everyone in minor league is going to be playing on them from next year, which is a massive thing for major league cricket and USA cricket. I think maybe, yeah, I'm I'm going to play the first year. Uh, I can play as a local. So for me, it's like, if I can be sort of an assistant coach and and a player in that, or some sort of coach and, for the guys who've not been around too much professional cricket or too much franchise cricket, can I help show them, or we'll give them the awareness of what it takes to be a professional cricketer, what professional cricketer looks like, how you train, how you go about your business. If I could do that the first year and help that grow, then I feel that would be my best role. Hopefully, obviously I'm trying to keep my fit as possible. I played in the Legends League. Still some good cricket going on there, to be honest with you. By the end of that trip, I felt like I was I was balling decent pace, like 135, 140. I was a decent nick. So it's just get my, my mind right to get myself in a place where well, listen I'm going to play this year give my all but uh, I also don't want to be the guy who's standing in the way of a guy who's 21, 22 who's born in the USA who's obviously coming through then I'll gladly step out of the way and help him and, and develop him to take my spot and go on and bigger better things
1: you talked a bit before about, you know, the transition and, you know, um, Mitch Johnson was out with you and Matt Price, right. the guys I know, you know, fairly well. And I've watched them and other, many other players struggle with transition. If Major League doesn't come along, what do you think you would have done? You know, you've got a wife in America, you know, yeah. you, you know, you've got roots, especially to the North, but you're a World Cup winner. You could probably work anywhere in county cricket. Would you have gone into coaching or, you know, would you have tried something else?
2: No, I think I would have... I feel like having the life of cricket, the ups and downs, I've probably learned a lot more from the period when I struggled for five, six, seven years. I felt a lot... I learned a lot from that and I feel that's why it might make me a, a decent coach. <laughs> a lot of the guys I've been involved with who are unbelievable at cricket and you're trying to speak to them about cricket, it's quite hard. They've not dug into the trenches because it's just like, oh, no, no, I just hit that spot there. And you're like, well, yeah, I'm trying to do that, mate, but I can't do it. <laughs> I feel like I would have been around county cricket. Uh, I've got a good a lot of friends who are coaches and who develop cricket, and I think I would have stuck around. Maybe I would have tried to play for another couple of years. There was, there was chats of me playing white ball cricket for teams, uh, a bit like that development role. So, yeah, I, I think so. I would have been involved in cricket in some capacity, I think in some professional way, whether coach or playing. Yeah, I think in terms of me now, the next stage, in terms of what you're doing, in terms of this major league right now, it's obviously learning on the job. Obviously, I think everyone who works at major league cricket is a Swiss army knife. You have like four or five robes that you do, and it makes you, obviously, I feel like you grow so quickly in the last year that I've been there. I feel like I've developed as a person and a coach, and I'm more aware of myself a lot more than I used to be as a player. It's cricket, but you're in America, so it's Americanized. People in America don't rest, they just work, 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 which is, it's different work as well. It's obviously getting a laptop at the start of last year and sort of getting through that and making sure I'm getting back to my emails and just like the day-to-day things that you guys would normally do as a cricketer, you're used to playing cricket, you do a little bit of courses here and there. But yeah, it feel like I played for 20 years and now I've actually become an adult the last year. The, last year.
1: the whole thing is really interesting because... You probably, as you say, I would have thought that you would have gone into coaching and you would have gone into that. And you kind of know where that would have gone, right? Like it it would have been a good career and maybe you would have ended up having, uh, you know, a a good county job and, you know, winning some trophies there and maybe even going to internationals. But the American side of things, it's, again, pardon the pun, but it's a little Wild West, right? Like You're going to be learning skills you would never have learned in county cricket where, you know, you would have had such a professional environment around you. But also you're working with people from someone like, you know, Unmuk Chand all the way down to, you know, kids who their dads were truck drivers who played a little bit of cricket in Seattle. And now they're, you know, doing that. It's a very exciting opportunity from that perspective. And, and yeah. it's not like, you know, you could do that for a couple of years and still move back into county cricket. So I could see why it would be something that would be a little bit exciting, but maybe also a little bit daunting as you are changing so much.
2: Yeah, as you mentioned, the fun thing about my job is you're working with the major league guys, played professional cricket, some of them 50 to 100 first class games, Uh, You're working with these guys. You could put uh, three teams together who compete uh, in county cricket. There's a lot of good talent there, right? You've you've seen that in terms of the minor league. There's a lot of good talent. So you're working with these guys, guys who are playing for USA Cricket, Aaron Jones and people like that. And then you're going down. So you're with them for four days. And then the day after, I'm at Major League Cricket Academy working with kids, 15-year-olds who are looking to play minor league cricket, also five, six-year-olds, genuine. I, I work across all the platforms. And honestly, some of the stuff I learned with the youngsters, I can use with the older guys because you're going back to basics. And that's a part of it. I, I actually don't mind getting on my hands and knees and throwing tennis balls to kids. Right now, I feel like I'm just trying to help the sport grow. And if I can use my name in the academies with the kids and stuff because the parents love me as a, or like me or see me on TV, then that's going to make that uh, academy more more credibility, going to bring more kids in well yeah it's it's amazing you learn to interact with people from all different ages and different cultures different backgrounds and as you said it's it feels like the last year has been a massive sort of a big growth spurt for me in terms of my learning so it, it's crazy to think you're working with people from all lights of the world a guy who's underarm a tennis ball for the first time then a guy who's played first class cricket fifteen hundred games so it's fun navigating usa cricket i'll tell you that thank you very much for coming on the podcast thanks for having me
1: Thanks for listening to Red Inca on 99.94. For more information about us, go to 99.94dm.com. Remember to download our app or just search for West Indies, India, England, South Africa, and Sri Lanka with the search term 99.94 where you find podcasts or on YouTube. There is more information on my guests in the show notes. Please support them where you can, but also support us. If you can't help out on Patreon, every single review, share, or word of mouth suggestion to your friend helps us. However, this podcast is made available by the people who support us at Patreon, so thank you to all of those who do. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes the best audio anyone can from random Zoom calls. We also have a great support team from 42, with Rati Joshi on socials, Orijoti Senapiya, and Meda Akam producing some of the shows, and Makunda Banredi as the head of YouTube content. Our theme tune is by the Red Cricket.
0: Podcast Network.